Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards, and I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. Right now, you're going to church with people all over the world who love God, who want to be disciples of the Lord Jesus, and want to learn how to overcome the obstacles of life with their faith. Starting this month, I've got an incredible series for you this month. I'm going to be talking about, actually, the series I'm going to be offering is called The Miraculous Probabilities, The Science of Faith. I'm going to be talking about faith all this month and in the series in ways that's going to be so empowering for you because you're going to come to understand that the battle that's going on for your faith is happening with misinformation. And you're going to discover that everything that the Bible says, that true and accurate science actually says, but even more than that, more than just getting information, it's going to make it where you will know how to walk in faith. And I'll tell you, I want to teach you to be an overcomer, somebody who always conquers the obstacles, and you only do that by faith. Listen, I'll be right back. Stay with me. I got a great free download for you this month. It's my personal exercises for operating miraculous faith. These are exercises that I developed over the last 40 years that have made it possible for me to win against insurmountable odds. You know, today we're going to talk about faith and the Word of God. And you know, I don't know what circles you move in. We all move in different circles, but it's amazing what I'm seeing on Facebook and what I'm hearing preachers talk about. And the church world is creating really a center of iniquity, if you will, where unintentionally, I don't think it's people meaning to, people are moving away from the Word of God. And if you even talk about the Word of God in some circles, it's so politically or religiously incorrect that you'll immediately be accused of being a legalist or being under the old covenant or this sort of thing. I want to tell you, Ignorance has run amok in the body of Christ today. And, you know, thank God there are wonderful churches and wonderful pastors out there that are preaching the Word of God in a healthy, new covenant manner. But I want to tell you something. They face opposition every day because every day there are people who don't understand the Bible or there are people who are workers of iniquity. Remember, a worker of iniquity, a person of iniquity is a person who establishes their own values, their own morals, their own definitions of love, their own definition of righteousness. They establish their concept of truth totally independent of the Word of God. They reject God's Word and come up with a humanistic standard of what truth is or what justice is or what morality is or what ethics should be or what our standards should be. And I want to tell you something. I'm sharing this series, even though it's not directly related to this, I'm sharing this series out of my promise I made when I released my book, Apocalypse, A Spiritual Guide to the Second Coming. And you know what? I said in that book that I wanted you to know how to be an overcomer no matter what you're facing. And you don't wait until you're in trouble 
to learn how to be an overcomer. You don't wait until your back's against the wall to try to come up with how to walk in faith. You do it right now, day by day, in the little areas of your life. And what will happen is, every time you face a new challenge, you will have a new level of faith. You know, it's interesting, the book of James talks about the fact that the testing or the proving of our faith is precious. It's more precious than gold. Now, some people have taken that and perverted that and tried to make that say that whenever you go through hard times, that's good for you. No, it's simply saying this. When our faith stands the test of time. And remember later on in that same chapter, he says, now be sure of this. Don't ever say when you're tested, tempted, tried, or scrutinized, or put under pressure. Don't ever say that it's God doing it. That's one of the basic laws of faith. Because see, faith doesn't begin, by the way, by just trusting particular scriptures or particular promises of God. No. Faith Start by trusting the character and nature of God, that God is good, He's only good, that God is love, that He will never do anything that will ever hurt you. And anything that He has ever done that has ever hurt people anywhere in the Old Testament, He did it to protect His people. He did it so that righteousness could prevail in the earth and so that people would not be overcome and destroyed by wickedness. And if you read my book, Apocalypse, you'll understand that. You'll understand where the whole angry God doctrine came from and how it is not in the Bible. It is actually straight from Lucifer. It's a Luciferian doctrine that's permeated planet earth and undermined people's faith. See, the ultimate in undermining your faith is making you believe that God's character and God's nature is not good, is not love, is not reliable, is not dependable. But I'll tell you something, it absolutely always is. But James says, now listen, you can't waver when you're facing something and think you're going to come out of it. If you waver when you face some kind of challenge, you're absolutely not going to survive it and you're not going to be able to take hold of any of the promises of God. Or that word really says you're not going to be able to receive in the promises of God. And that word receive is really one of the big problems that people have in understanding faith in the new covenant. And I want to take you through this new covenant journey of faith. You know, in the Old Testament, because the covenant was not made through one person, through Jesus. See, the new covenant is made through Jesus, and therefore all the promises belong to Him, and we share in those promises because we are in Him. So we're never coming to God in, or we shouldn't be coming to God individually trying to seek and understand if the promises of God are for us or if this particular promise is for us. Because 2 Corinthians 1.20, as I've said to you hundreds of times or probably thousands of times, says that no matter how many promises God has ever made, they are all yes in Jesus. As a matter of fact, the verse before that says, listen, Paul says, our message to you was not yes and no. In other words, it's not yes sometimes and no sometimes. He said, because all the promises of God or yes, if God ever made a promise, that promise to you is yes, just because you're in Jesus. So we should never 
be going to God trying to find out if the promise is for us, if it is ours or if it's not ours. Because we are in Jesus, and the question is not, do I have enough faith to get this promise? The question is, did Jesus have enough faith to get this promise? Did he receive this inheritance? And if he did, I am in him. And my question is this, do I believe that because I'm in him, that qualifies me for this? See, I want to tell you something, that, that's the big question. Everybody pretty much believes in the promises of God. I mean, no matter how religious people are, they believe in the promises of God. But the question is, what do you think it takes to qualify you? And that's where most people dive off into legalism. That's where most people dive off into all kinds of strangeness and goofiness. But the one thing that qualifies me for the promises of God, and you should believe this for yourself, is I am in Jesus, and that alone qualifies me for the promises of God. Now, under the old covenant, they were always seeking to see if they qualified, seeking if the blessing would be given. We are never going to see if the blessing is going to be given, because if we do, that is absolute unbelief, because all of our faith rests in the finished work of Jesus. So, in the new covenant, we're always looking to what God has already done through the Lord Jesus. Now, I know that that doesn't have much to do with faith in the Word of God, but we have to start with the fact that faith begins in trusting in the character and the nature of God, which was expressed through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the subsequent covenant that he made with Jesus. And that's where we have to go. You can get all kinds of confused when you read the Old Testament. You see all of these wars and all these things that were happening, and you don't really understand what was going on. By the way, if you get my Apocalypse book, you will understand it. Your eyes will be open for the first time in your life, and you will understand world history from a biblical point of view, and you will no longer see God as an angry God. But from there, we have to step into how do we relate to the Word of God. We trust the nature of God, but we don't really understand the Word of God. Well, remember this, the psalmist prophesied of God that he had exalted his word and his name above everything else. I want you to know that God's word is equivalent to his name. If you reject God's word, you have rejected God's name. You have rejected who God is. You have rejected the person and the nature of God. Now, that may not be your intention. That may not be what you think you're doing, but that is absolutely what you're doing. If you reject God's word, you reject God's character. And you can be rejecting God's character because of unbelief. You can be rejecting God's character because you don't understand his word. It doesn't seem fair. And in this environment of political and social justice, we've come up with all these humanistic concepts of what's fair and what's righteous and what love is. And we reject God's word because we don't understand it. We don't trust God's love. Well, when you reject God's word, you've rejected God's love. You rejected God's nature. You've rejected God's character. And you have now left the light. You are no longer living and functioning in the light. And this is absolutely essential because I'll tell you something, just a few minutes when we come back, we're going to dive into this thing about the light and the word. And I'm telling you, it's going to open your eyes and you're going to just drop the religious concepts of what the light has to do with the word. And your eyes are going to be open. I'll be back in just a minute.
This month, I've got one of my favorite series for you, Miraculous Probabilities, The Science of Faith. And what you're going to discover is that true science does not violate faith. The Word of God operates in exact accord with all of the laws of physics, and knowing these things helps us come to trust God, our Creator, even more. Miraculous Probabilities, The Science of Faith is an eight-message series that is going to be radically life-changing for you. You know, we're facing a situation, and it's happening for a lot of different reasons. It's happening for cultural reasons. It's happening just for plain old, outright, hedonistic, you know, sin, pleasure-seeking in people's lives. You know, we're inundated with every vile and nasty thing that there is. And in this environment that we have, particularly in America, everybody does that which is right in their own eyes. So what's happening to us is people are separated, alienated from the Word of God. People do not even know how to relate to the Word of God. They don't know how to relate to the Word of God as in the New Covenant. They don't know how to relate to the Word of God without becoming a legalist. And so most people don't know the Word of God, don't understand much about the Bible, and really don't base much of their life on what the Bible says. Now, let's dive into this. In John, the first chapter, let's look at this. We're just going to read verse by verse for a few verses here. In verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, so the Word, and it's really important here that God inspired Jesus to use Word. In the beginning was the Word. In other words, before Jesus came to planet Earth, he is referring to himself as the Word or the Logos. And that's in the Greek, that's what it is. And you've heard me talk about this a lot of times. The Logos is more than just the Word itself. It's the wisdom behind the Word. It's the character behind the Word. It's the faithfulness of the Word. It's the dependability of the Word. And interestingly, it's all that the Word embodies or implies or intends. And one of the things about Logos is that Logos implies that no word of God, no logos of God can stand independent of everything else that God's ever said. In other words, you can't take a scripture out of context or separate it from the rest of all of the word of God and say, this is what it means. Now, Many believers today do not know how to relate to the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they don't recognize the difference between the Old Testament and the Old Covenant and the New Testament, and the New Covenant, and there is just mass ignorance. Now, let me say this. And I hate to say this. This is going to sound incredibly, incredibly uh, negative. It's not negative. But when Catholicism was born, and the word Catholic means the universal church, so basically it was a church that pretty much you could believe anything that you wanted to believe and be a part of it, and you really didn't get born again to become a part of Catholicism. You join the church. You convert it to the church. And so the early Catholic church actually, first of all, the common man couldn't read the Bible because it was not in the common man's language, but it actually became against the law, and you could be put to death if you observed any of the Old Testament practices. You couldn't observe any of the feasts. You couldn't observe any of the festivals. So the Old Testament basically became totally alienated because there was a concept that the Old Testament and the Old Covenant were one and the same thing, and the New Testament, you know, totally represented the New Covenant. That is totally inaccurate. You know, 
all of the apostles taught the Word of God out of the Old Testament because the Old Test, all the word testament means is the testament or the testimony or the witness of God. This was the witness of God up to the birth of Jesus. And then what we call the New Testament is the testament or the witness of God or the testimony of God from the birth of Jesus forward. And the real truth is, we were never supposed to throw away the Old Testament. Now, we were to understand that we were under grace and not under law, but people don't know how to do that. People don't know how to relate to the Old Testament without getting back under the Old Covenant, back under dead works, and back under legalistic performance of the law. But keep in mind here, Jesus himself is coming, manifesting as the Word of God. He is manifesting, later it says, as the Word made flesh. In verse 2, it says, He was in the beginning with God, and of course, He was God. Now, keep in mind, up until this point in time, and you've heard me say this before, up until this point in time, God's Word had been spoken, and you had to depend on teachers and rabbis and various people to interpret or translate what that word really meant and how it should be applied. Now, these were people that weren't born again. These were people that had never seen God. They didn't understand the nature and the character of God. Most of them thought God was angry and mad and totally misinterpreted most of what God said. They took the Old Testament and they took God's commandments, which God gave for life, gave so that they could have freedom, gave so they could have a powerful nation, gave so that they could have prosperity in their land, have justice in their land. People took that instead of using it from the perspective of how to love and treat one another and how to have true justice and true fairness. Instead, they turned it into something legalistic as a way to point out what people were doing wrong, as a way to show people, you know, the error of their ways. And so Jesus shows up, and he not only was with God, he was God. You know, and it gets beyond comprehension to be able to understand the Trinity. But Jesus is coming and saying, if you want to know what the Word meant... If you want to know what God's Word looked like, if you want to know what God's Word implied, if you want to know how this should have been put into practice, if you want to know God's true intentions, then you have to look at me. That's what Jesus is saying. So we're not supposed to be throwing away the Word of God. We're supposed to be looking at Jesus as our Lord and saying, in His life, I see what it should look like put into practice. And in his teaching, I should understand its true intent and how it should be implied. It's amazing how we twist up Jesus' teaching, though. But anyhow, verse 2, he says, So he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Everything that exists was made through and by him as the word, as the character, as the life of God that would be manifest in, in planet Earth. Now, in verse 4, it starts getting kind of interesting because it says, In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. Now, if you look throughout the entire Bible, you will always see that light, life, and truth are always synonymous. You will always see that death, darkness, and deception are always synonymous. They're one and the same. Now, I can remember for years not being able to comprehend Jesus as the light. I mean, I could on some level. I knew that we could look at him and see God and understand who God was. 
I knew that we could look at him and understand the character and the nature of God. But I really didn't understand what it truly meant because if the light and the life are the same thing, if the life and the light and the truth are the same thing, then in time, I came to realize this. When Jesus talked about being the light, he is connecting that to many things, but among them, he's connecting that to the word of God. I am the true light. And he's saying, if you want the light of God's word, you have to look at me to get it. You have to look at the way that I interpret the Word of God. You have to look at the way I live the Word of God. You have to look at what I teach you. Otherwise, you can actually take God's Word, twist it into something, and the light that is in you will become darkness. Now, I don't know if I explained that in a way that you can get it, but I want you to understand, the Bible calls us to walk in the light. And one of the things that you see over in 1 John, you see that the Gnostics swept in and they began to get away from the Word of God. And they started creating their own interpretations of what happened with Jesus, what happened at the resurrection. And they rejected all of God's truth. And remember, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, God spoke them forth himself. He dictated those to Moses. And so I want you to realize all of the rest of the Bible is inspired, but it's not dictated. All the rest of the Bible tells us about the acts of God, but really doesn't necessarily reveal to us what these first five books of the Bible that God spoke himself out of his own mouth. And the psalmist and other people would say that his word was light to my path. His word was light in the darkness. His word shines forth into the darkness and gives light. And so when we depart from God's word as it is revealed through the person of Jesus, then we have left the light and we have gone into darkness. Now, faith is based on the fact that God and his word are one, that everything that God says is synonymous with who he is based on how Jesus revealed it to us, based on the life and the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen to this. He says, verse 5, it says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness couldn't comprehend it. And it goes on to say, There was a man from God whose name was John. This man came as a witness of the light, that this is truth. This is based on God's Word, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but it was sent to bear witness to the light, and that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Now, Jesus is the true light of the world. You cannot have faith in a vague sense of who God is. You can't have faith in a vague sense of who Jesus is and actually have what the Bible calls faith because faith is a trust in who God is and God has revealed himself through us, through his word, through his name, and then ultimately through his son. And those three are one. You know, Jesus talked about these three being one and he talked about how, you know, I and the father are one. There was no separation between who he was, who the father was, what God had said in the past and how Jesus was interpreting and modeling it to us right there in the future. Now, I want you to understand something. There's a war for your soul, and this war for your soul, this war that will keep you from being able to live in victory in the future 
start with alienating you from the Word of God so that you enter into your own philosophies about God. And you may even be quoting scriptures and pulling them out of context, and they don't line up with everything else that God has said, and you think that you've got faith. But in truth, the light that's in you is darkness. I'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. Be sure and get this month's special offer, Miraculous Probabilities, The Science of Faith. I am telling you, it's going to bring science and the Word of God in alignment with your heart for incredible faith. I want to invite you to World Changer Weekend, July the 15th, 16th, and 17th. This is an annual event that we host to say thank you to all of our world changers, to all of the people that help us take this gospel to the ends of the earth. Listen, there's going to be several speakers, people that are making this journey and making it work in their life. There's going to be incredible praise and worship. We always have some of the best praise and worship. I'm going to invite some of our early church members and ministry team members in, and they're going to be here and be a part of things. And I'm telling you, it is going to be an incredible celebration. You do not want to miss it. But here's the deal. We only have a certain amount of space, very limited space. So there is no registration fee to attend. But if you want to attend the event of the year, you got to go to our online registration form, fill it out, let us know. We'll save you a place. Listen, one of the most important scriptures that we need to wrap our head around is where it says in the book of John, it says that the Word became flesh. Now, the Word of God, what Word? The Word of God, everything that God stands for, everything that God represents, everything that God has ever said became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory, the view, the opinion, the reality of God. We looked at Jesus, and for the first time, the word wasn't legalistic. For the first time, the word wasn't a burden. For the first time, it wasn't a bag of rules that you had to obey. For the first time, man could see God's word as a divine prescription. That's actually what the word commandment means, as a divine prescription telling us how to have life at its best. And so we saw God's glory. We saw God's view. We saw God's opinion. We saw God's reality as it concerns his word. Now, here's what I want you to understand. All of God's word and all that it implies and intends is already written in the deepest part of your being. But we have to align, we have to renew our mind and align our mind with God's view and opinion and interpretation and manifestation of his word. If we don't align our thoughts where we interpret, translate the Word of God from love, because that's what Jesus taught us to do, from the love of God, not humanitarian or humanistic love, but from the love of God that holds all men in value, that promotes dignity and worth. If we don't come to the place to where we have renewed our minds to see the Word of God this way, then there will be incongruence between what's deeply written in our deepest part of our being by the Holy Spirit and what we're thinking, and we will be set up for instability and deceit. 
Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.